Hello and welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Peter Pill will be starting his sermon series on others. Today's sermon is titled, The Bad Samaritan. Uh, let's pray as we come around the Word uh, this morning. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, uh, to open your Word this morning. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you stir us. Father, as the theme of this offering is, Lord, for everyone whose heart was stirred. Father, we want to be open to our hearts being stirred this morning. And so, Father, we commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 4. I'm talking about the woman at the well this morning. And I appreciate uh, Ron and Josh making a, a prop, a, a very good prop. And I said, to, uh, I said to Ron Thursday morning, I said, I need a well. And by lunchtime, we had this, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, pretty impressive. This is actually a genuine well. It has water in it. Uh, who would like a drink? <laughs> she like, you like, you guys do and it's actually a magic well, too, because uh, it has Diet Coke. <laughs> Who'd like a Diet Coke? Uh, down the back there. Okay. That's very good. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and it's, it's unlike the Jewish well, uh, because if you say, dear Lord Jesus, I'd like some chocolate. There's also chocolate in the well, uh, which is Luke, which is good over there. There we go. Fantastic. Um, and one more bottle of water. Anyone want a bottle of water? Okay, Brendan? No, you better, you come and get it. If you want it, you can come and get it. Come on. Here we go. Here. Ready? Ready? We're going to do it. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Okay, open your Bibles to John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read, the, it's a bit of a lengthy story, but it's a powerful story. And then we're just going to open, uh, open a few thoughts about, uh, about the story. John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, through Jesus, can I actually change? I just want to read off my iPad. I like to read it out of the Word of God, but my eyes are getting further and further. I'm, I'm, yeah, so. I went, I went and got, I, I don't want to go to glasses because I wear contacts. And my next stage is to go to bifocal contacts, or you put one, one contact in one eye strong, and, and I don't want to do that. And so I said to the, uh, to the optometrist a couple of months ago, I said, oh, I found myself over the last few months doing this. And I said, but I don't want to go to you know, bifocal contacts. And she said, when you run out of arm length, you'll come back and see me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm almost there. And I've been looking, I've been reading my Bible, actually, I've been reading my Bibles and taking my contacts out to read, because uh, then everything's normal. But it'll just be better if I read it off my iPad. So there we go. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, through Jesus, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. And that's a really important point. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone, in, uh, gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's asked you to give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give, then give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank it from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said I have no husband. So he was playing on the well term too there. See, he was doing the stand-up thing. You have well said, well, 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 I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And in that you've truly spoken. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem it is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe in me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Uh, you'll neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. You worship, sorry, what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman that left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to him, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore, disciples were puzzled and said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to him, to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months. Do they not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look out to the fields for they are already white to harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not laboured. Others have laboured and you had entered into their labours. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. This is a, a, an interesting story about a woman who uh, is of no value. Uh, a woman that, that uh, w- was really despised and hated and, and kind of just seen as, as somebody that, that was just completely of no value. I was thinking about uh, this this week and, you know, there's, there's a subtlety in the media that values white people over non-white people. And, for instance, uh, I've, I've watched with interest over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, uh, an earthquake and a tsunami in, in Indonesia, in Sulawesi, and 2,000 people died. And it kind of made the news for two or three days and, and you know, it was kind of a, a big deal. Notice that it's kind of all gone now. Uh, but there was a limousine accident in America where 20 Americans died 
and the chatter on Facebook about that and the analysis of the driver and it just seemed to be that, that social media says 20 Americans are of more value than 2,000 Indonesians. I, I do a, a summary on Facebook each morning of the, the morning news. I call it the morning news wrap. And so I, I read about seven news websites every day. And it's interesting that there can be a car accident in America and five people are killed and a, 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 um, a minivan in Nepal can fall off the road into a ravine, killing all 35 on board, and it'll only be mentioned once and right at the bottom of some obscure news website. And, and so there's a subtlety in the media that, that some lives are more important than others. I think people are people. I think all lives matter. And this is a story about a person that didn't matter. That, that, and I'm going to show why. She was possibly the most rejected, despised, ignored person in the whole of Israel and Samaria. But Jesus chooses this woman to reveal that he is the Messiah. Now you've got to bear in mind, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, Jesus was often silent when quizzed about, are you the Messiah? I mean, when, when Herod had the power to crucify him and Jesus, he, he, he kind of questioned Jesus, uh, Jesus and said, you know, are you the Messiah? Jesus was silent. There were other times that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would question Jesus and try and trap him and, and, and try and get him to say, hey, I'm the Son of God, so that they could accuse him of blasphemy and stone him. And, and so he would, he would talk in puzzles and, and riddles and, and, and they would ask him a question. He would answer by answering with a question. But to this woman, he reveals that he's the Messiah. Let's have a look at exactly... Uh, a few things about her. First up, she was a woman. Now, the prevailing attitude of Jewish men was at the time that it was almost better to be a dog than to be a woman. Such was, such was that where, where, where women were, were held in esteem in Jewish culture. That's why it was kind of scandalous that Jesus, uh, when the woman with the caught in adultery came before Jesus and, and he basically let her go. He went, hey, go and sin no more. Uh, the fact that he engaged with her, the fact that he talked to her, the fact that he healed the woman with the issue of blood, the fact that he stopped when, when there was a, a funeral going on and, and talked to the mother. When you have a look at the way Jesus treated women in the Bible, it was scandalous because he gave them value. And that there's no greater illustration of, of Jesus placing value on women than the woman at the well. One of the most rejected people in all of Samaria and Israel. And here is Messianic Rabbi Jesus stopping and engaging with her. And not only that, but actually giving her the plan of salvation when he refused to give it to most everybody else. When I was doing some study a few years ago in Fuller Seminary, we were talking about we had to uh, write a bit of a paper on whether, uh, whether Christianity subjugates women. And I certainly think there are some verses that are taken out of context that the church has misused to subjugate women. But when you actually have a look at the way Jesus uh, actually empowered women, released women, uh, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. And Jesus is really a hero of, of empowering women. But not only was this, this woman was a woman, but she was also a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were, were, were hated by the Jews. And 
The Samaritans hated the Jews. In one commentary, referred to them as, uh, from the Samaritans' perspective, uh, called the mongrel Jews. That the Jews were so against the Samaritans that that some of the Pharisees in Jesus' time would pray that, dear Jesus, dear God, let not any of the Samaritans rise again in the resurrection. Like just, just, just the hatred. Now, I'll tell you why they hated them so much. So Jesus, 700 years before Jesus, the Assyrians had come down and attacked Samaria. And what they did was they attacked Samaria and they conquered Samaria. Now, the Assyrians were, were like specialist conquerors. They knew that if you conquered a land and you wanted to keep it conquered, what you did was the Assyrians would go in and they would take all the rich, powerful people. They would force them to move from Samaria to Assyria. And then they would take the rich, powerful Assyrians and they would put them into Samaria. And over a generation, the, Samar- the, the, Assyrians, uh, the rich Assyrians and the powerful Assyrians would mingle, would intermarry and would basically subjugate the Samarians. And so that's how you conquer a land. So that's what they did, 728 BC. But the conquest only lasted 70 years. So when, when the, the, the Jews then came back and the Samaritans then came back and, and, and liberated Samaria, they found out that now it's this polluted bloodline. So the Jews in Israel and Jerusalem, the, the Jews themselves had, uh, had been able to keep the bloodline pure, but because the Assyrians had conquered Samaria, their bloodline was now polluted. So that was the starting point for the, for the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans and the Samaritans and the Jews. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is so powerful. Because the Good Samaritan is helping a Jewish man. Here is a Samaritan person, guy from Samaria, helping a Jewish person. And so I've actually titled this sermon, Bad Samaritan. We, we, read, you know, we do a lot of sermons on the Good Samaritan. Uh, this is the Bad Samaritan because this woman was, uh, was seemingly bad. So not only was she a woman... Not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a sinner and kind of a well-known sinner. I mean, she had five husbands and the guy that she's now in de facto with is not a husband. And so de facto relationships in, in Jesus' day were, were highly controversial. Uh, she could have been stoned for being, if, if she was a Jew, she would have been stoned for committing adultery. Uh, but here she is, uh, so not just a woman, not just a Samaritan, but a famous sinner. So three strikes, you're out. Three. Three strikes, you're out, but not with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible, this story comes, starts out and says, in verse 4, Jesus needed to go there. What an amazing statement. Jesus needed to go there. He was compelled to go there. The, the, the word is actually, uh, to, means in the Greek, to bind and to tie. That there, was this, that there was something about the purpose of Jesus in Samaria that he felt bound to go, that he, there was this, this compulsion within Jesus to go. He had to go there. Now, the journey from Judea to Galilee, you can go, it's about 70 miles, about two, two and a half days journey. You can go to Samaria, that's the quickest way. But if the Jews wanted to go from Judea to Galilee, there's no way they went through Samaria. I mean, you just, you just didn't go through Samaria. You know, I've, I've been in America, and there's, I've been in New York, I've been in LA, and there, there's places you just don't go. 
I remember one time we, we flew into LAX and we were doing a missions trip, uh, or actually it was not a missions trip, it was a trip over to, to see some revival hotspots over in Pensacola. And uh, we had a group with us, a group of, I think there was about 15 people, uh, mostly older people because they didn't want to travel alone. So it's Melanie and I, uh, you know, at the ripe old age of 23. They only travelled once overseas, so now we're like, we're apparently we're experts. And so we're doing this group trip and we get into LA and we, we caught our transit bus to the, the motel and it's about 8.30 at night, 9 o'clock at night, but we're wide awake because it's jet lag. And so everyone goes, hey, where are we having dinner? Because apparently we're the, you know, the tour guides. And so I noticed a Denny's about a kilometre down the road and so I said oh we're going to go down to Denny's so yeah, no problem says no we didn't want to catch a cab so we walked the kilometre down to Denny's and uh, we ate and we walked back it's about 10 30 at night now we're walking back we walk in and as we walked in the security guard at the front he's like wide-eyed and he goes where have you guys come from and we went oh we just went down to Denny's and he goes without a gun <laughs> and we went yeah he goes you don't go out here at night without a gun. And, well, I mean, we're just ignorant Australians, but uh, clearly you didn't go out there. I mean, and, and the, the road to Jerusalem uh, or, or through Samaria, is kind of like that for the, for the Jewish people. You just didn't go there. I mean, there were Samaritans. And so you didn't go. And so what they would do is they would go around Samaria and it took, it took about six days. So you could go two and a half days if you went through Samaria or you'd do six days to go around Samaria to get to Galilee at the top from Judea. And that's what every Jew did, every Israel, person from Israel, that's what they did. Nobody went through Samaria because the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. But Jesus at the start of this story says, hey, I'm compelled to go. I, I, I need to go. You know, sometimes reaching out to the lost goes against our preferences. Goes against maybe even our safety. You know, I would imagine when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go through Samaria, I'm going to take the shortcut, go through Samaria. I will, I'm, I'm, it doesn't record it in the Bible, but I'm sure that the disciples had a bit of a meeting. They, they kind of nominated Peter to go forward and say to Jesus, are you nuts? What's going on? You're going through Samaria. We don't do that. We don't like the Samaritans. Uh, good story on the good Samaritan Jesus. Great story, good illustration. But we don't do that. Because we are Jewish, and Jesus, if I need to remind you of anything, you were circumcised on the eighth day, you are also Jewish, uh, so we are going around. But Jesus, and it's interesting that John, uh, as he writes here, uh, that the actual word is, he needed, uh, what's the word? Um, but he needed to go through Samaria. I almost feel that John's having a bit of a go here at Jesus. He's writing the story. It's like, yeah, hey, we were going to go from Judea to Galilee, but old Jesus, well, he needed to go through Samaria. Like, as, I mean, we didn't, but Jesus needed to go. And there's a real emphasis on the needed to go. When I talk about the others offering, and I'm talking about how that, it's, it's for people who get their hearts stirred. Obviously, something stirred in Jesus' heart where he needed to go. Like there was, there was something about this encounter at the woman, with the woman in the well. There was something about that encounter that Jesus said, man, I need to go. And I, I wonder whether there's, there's still a, a, a compulsion in Jesus when he sends out people, like when he sends Murray out over to, to the Solomon Islands or a PG, I wonder if there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a compulsion in Jesus, I need you to go, Murray. 
I wonder when, when, we're, when we're talking about sending finance over to Uganda or, or, or even sending food angels out through, uh, through this new ministry. I wonder if Jesus gets a sense of, I, I need that food delivered. I, you know, I don't think salvation of Jesus is a good idea. I don't think Jesus just sits back and goes, well, I mean, if Caleb, if you can get somebody saved on Friday night, that's great. I mean, good for you, buddy. As long as everyone had a good time. I don't think there's anything laissez-faire or beige about Jesus when it comes to salvation. There's a, I mean, He gave His life. And there's a compulsion in Jesus that, that, that we would pick that up, that there'd be, there'd be something in us that understands that, that we need to be compelled to for the lost. Not just of the South Pacific or not even just overseas, but even here in our own backyard. That would there be something that would compel us about the youth of, of the city, of the homeless of the city, of those domestic violence victims of the city. Jesus needed to go. And then they come upon this woman at the middle of the day. Now, you, you don't collect water in the middle of the day. Because it's thirsty work, it's hard work, it's, it's hot work. And so what would happen is traditionally it would be in the cool of the morning or the cool of the afternoon and it would be a, it'd be a, a social journey. Women love to do things socially together. Have you ever been in a restaurant? There's about 10 women there, 10, 10 couples, and you're all sitting around. One just happens to say, I'm going to the ladies. You know you're not a lady, right? <laughs> but always, I mean, to, to a male mind, it's, it's, it's weird, ladies. Um, guys, if you ever want to freak out women, be in that setting and set it up before and stand up and say, hey, guys, I'm, I, need to, I need to go to the restrooms. Anyone want to come? And all the guys go, oh, yes, that'd be great. And all just walk out together. <laughs> It's just, yeah, see, like you're already cringing. It's just, a, it's just great. Um, and then when you come back, discuss the absence of a full-length mirror in the guys' toilets. It just really messes with women's heads. Great. So in, in, in Jesus' day, um, the women would all go to collect water together. And so it was a social thing. It was, it was very much part of their social fabric. It kept them healthy. It talked, you know, they talked, you know, they talked things out. No men were around. They could talk freely. And they would, uh, they would all come to the well in the cool of the day or in the cool of the morning. But this woman is at the well in the middle of the day. Do you know why she was at the well in the middle of the day? Because no woman wanted her in their group. I mean, she already had five husbands. And she's on number six. So there was a protection mechanism within, within, within the women to reject her. She, I mean, she was rejected. And, and here's, here's, when we talk about this woman being the rejected of the rejected of Israel, I mean, she was a woman, she was a, she was a Samaritan woman, uh, uh, she was a sinner. But in, in Bible time, women could not divorce men. Only a man could divorce a woman. And so, uh, so the fact that she has been divorced five times is not that she's had a bad marriage and walked out five times. Five times, men have said, the, man, the, man, the, the husband, the male has said to her, I don't love you anymore, get out of my house. Five times she's been rejected. I mean, what a broken woman this woman must have been. 
And so to the point now where she's gone, I'm not I'm giving up on marriage. I'm in de facto with this guy. Uh, I mean, just this woman was completely and utterly broken. One commentator I read this week said, the hour of the day corresponded with her spiritual condition, weary and desperately dry. A broken woman. And so Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? And I mean, the woman is, is so blown away. Here's a male that's talking to her. Here's a rabbi that's talking to her. And here's a male rabbi with no utensils asking, well, actually asking for a drink, but then actually offering her a drink and say, hey, I've actually got some living water. And he's, she's sitting there going, but hang on, you don't have anything to draw water from. And then he says, if you only knew the gift, if you only knew the person that was speaking to you right now, you would ask him for this living water and you'd never thirst again. So she's smart enough to go, hey, this sounds good. Now, initially she's thinking natural water because Jesus said, hey, if, 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 I, the water, if you drink from the water I give you, then you'll never thirst again. So this woman's thinking that he's got some, some hugely magical black fizzy <laughs> nectar of the gods Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hang on. Mm. But it wasn't Coke that Jesus was talking about. Actually, I'll put that there. It wasn't Coke that Jesus was talking about. He was talking about the living water of salvation. And so, he, and so this woman says, hey, well, give me some of this water. And so he starts to talk about who he is. And then, and then they, talk, they have this conversation. And then Jesus actually says, because she says, hey, there's a Messiah coming. And he's going to tell us all things. And, and, and they talk, have a little discussion about where they worship. And then Jesus says, I am the man that you speak of. I am the Messiah. Jesus reveals his Messiahship to the most rejected woman in the whole of Israel and Samaria. The most, probably the most broken, rejected, lonely woman in the whole of Israel. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. Now, what does she do? What she does is, the Bible records that she dropped her water pot and ran into town. Now, you've got to get this, right? Because my, my challenge, you know, last, last week I preached on, uh, do you mind if I just tie my shoelace? Just sorry. Sorry about that. I've had... Eye misfunctions and shoelaces coming undone. Last week I talked about the when Jesus said, "Come and and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." That that the the initial when Jesus was initially making disciples, it was all about the first thing when Jesus said, "Hey, come and I'll make you fishers of men." When when he first come up with the concept of discipleship, it was about being others focused, like come and come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Here with the woman at the well, she's at the well, she gets, she gets some living water. The first thing she does, she drops her water pot, she runs back into town, she grabs all the men. Hey, hey, you've got to hear about this guy. There was a guy, Jesus, and, and he told me all the, and there's five, and, and, and he's living water. You got, and and she, you've got to come and tell, doesn't tell the women because they won't talk to him, uh, talk to her, but telling all the women, hey, you've got, to, you've got to come and see. And there's this, I mean, she turns into this rabid, passionate evangelist in an instant. 
Now, what she didn't do was say, well, uh, thank you, Jesus, but look, I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus right now because I've got to go through a uh, discipleship program. Uh, and I, I really want to, I just feel I want to be grounded first, right? Um, and, and actually, I, I do feel called, I'm more into uh, dancing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to learn some, some evangelistic dances and then we'll probably do some... It may be in a year's time, uh, but not right now because, and you know, like sometimes people scare me. And if I, if, imagine if I walked up to somebody and said, hey, do you want to come and see about Jesus? And what if he said no? And I'd feel rejected again. And I've got some issues because I'm already rejected. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit down, right, and let somebody else go. That's what so many Christians do, right? See, getting saved is about you. It's all about you for a minute and then it's all about others and so this woman gets saved she gives her heart to Christ and all of a sudden she forgets her water pot now that's significant because because the thing is right I've I've got some problems in my life I got some stresses some pressures some problems but you know what they're all temporary because when I die <laughs> Melody, you, got, you deal with them but so uh, for me uh, they're all temporary because when I'm dead, they're all gone. But if I'm not a Christian, my, some of my problems are eternal. So we have to make sure, we have to understand that we have to be careful that, that our uh, uh, non-eternal problems don't become the thing that, is, that we major on and we forget the eternal problems of the, of the unchurched. See, there was a quick story, and I'll tell you this story and then we'll finish. As the music has come back up. It's a preacher's trick. Gives me an extra couple of minutes because you guys all think, oh, church is finishing soon, but really I've got a few more minutes. Um, so there was a story in the Bible and uh, the story is of where Jesus gets into a, into a boat and the Bible says that he had, a similar to the thing, he had a need to go to the other side. The Bible actually said he had a need to go to the other side. What was on the other side was the Gadarene demoniac and he was going to lay hands on the Gadarene demoniac and go, demons out and go like that and they were going to go into the pigs. So Jesus had a need to go to the other side. The Bible says that. I think it's Luke 5. And he had a need to go to the other side. So they all get into the boat and the disciples are really happy because they're going to the other side to do the ministry of Jesus. But they get halfway through the boat, uh, halfway through the, the, the Sea of Galilee, and there's a big squall, there's a storm, and Jesus is in the boat asleep. So the disciples go down into the, to the base of the boat and they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're perishing? Now, it was so interesting that the disciples got into the boat focused on the Gadarene demoniac. They knew that they were going to go over there and they were going to fix him up with the power of Jesus. They're all excited. They're in the boat. The minute that there's a storm, all of a sudden they get their eyes off the other side, off the Gadarene demoniac, and now on themselves, don't you realise Jesus, we're perishing? See, we have to be stirred as a church. We have to be stirred as Christians and keep our eyes on the eternal things that matter. We have to be stirred. We have to realise that it's not up to somebody else to save Bean Lee. It's us. We have, to, we have to understand, what if, right, what if your life was a big chess set and God just moves you, strategically moves you into a circle of friends? What if God strategically moves you into a work, you change your jobs, work situation? I know that Renee changed schools this, this year. She's a school teacher. She changed schools this year. What if 
that in the chessboard of life, that God said, well, Renee's done what she needs to do over here on, on uh, Black 17. We're going to now go Renee over to White 23. And now she's in a different position, in a different circle of, of friends, different circle of contacts, different circle of, of, of school kids. And now she can do the work of Jesus in a different context. And then what if there's a different circle of friends and, and, and Renee at some point moves over to Black 22 and, and your life is just a big chessboard in the eyes of God. The problem is that we sometimes get on a square and go, well, God, I don't like this square. And I like this work environment. I like this school environment. I don't like, I don't like the square. So Jesus, help me get out of this situation. And Jesus is saying, well, tell the people around you about me because that's what you're there for. Because that person over there has been asking me to reveal himself to you, uh, to, to them, uh, reveal me to, to them. And you're the person that I'm getting to, going to use. So go and do it. And we sit there complaining on our square and for years. Meanwhile, Jesus had to, had to bring Chris in to white number seven to actually do the work of Christ because we're too busy complaining. Oh, that was a heavy word, wasn't it? Where'd that come from? The point of all this is this. The hope of Bean Lee sits in this church. And it sits in other churches. I'm not saying that we're the, we're the Messiah, for, we're, we're the only church. We're a team, we're part of the network, you get that. What I'm saying though is that let's not leave it up to C3 or to, to Twin Waters Let's do the work that God has for us. Let's not sit back. Let's not say, hang on, wait, I, need, I need more training or I need more, uh, I need more this or I need more that or I'm not ready. The woman was saved like a minute. Like a minute. She had a minute with Jesus and then she's gone. That's what it's about. So here's a, here's a challenge. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you told somebody about church, your church, in a positive light? Now, I haven't worked in a secular environment for a long time. But when I used to work in a secular environment, I used to always go in super excited on a Monday. Passionate. And they go, well, what did you do on the weekend? Man, I went to church. Because I knew at some point I was going to ask them to church and I wanted to have already messed with their brains that in their brains, church was awesome because Peter comes in on a Monday morning and he's awesome. So it was a, a six-month strategic, hey, I'm going I'm I'm to tell you about church just by subtly kind of saying how awesome church is. Then when I actually said to them, hey, what church has got at a Christmas event? Do you want to go? Yes. And then it was like, what, we, we, we've been ready for four months. What's taking you the last, you know, like, so you've got to be thinking strategically about how you communicate about church. How do you communicate about God? When was the last time you told somebody about your plan of salvation? Have you got, here's, here's, a, here's a good challenge, I need to stop. Have you got an elevator pitch? You get in an elevator, you've got 30 seconds to tell someone about Jesus. What do you say? What do you say? If we stopped the worship now and said, okay, we're going to go an extra five minutes, and I went around the room and I said, you've got 30 seconds to convince me that Jesus is the Messiah, go. It's a challenge. I always get on the phone. If I'm on the phone or I'm, on, I'm talking to an operator or, or somebody, you know, just chatting, whatever. There's one thing I ask. I go, oh, where do you go to church? Because I don't ask, do you go to church? Because then they just say no. But I go, oh, where do you go to church? Nine times out of ten. Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, really? How come? Well, that just opens the floodgates. 
because you're not, you're answering, you're asking open questions, how come? And then they, again, seven times out of ten, I used to go to church, but I got hurt. And I go, I oh, see, so you still have faith in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, I'm inviting you back to church. What, what suburb are you in? Oh, we're in Adelaide. Well, why don't, you, why don't you find a good church in Adelaide? So knowing as Christians how to, how to engage with people, um, just having some, some, some one-off statements that you can make that get people thinking. I love talking to atheists because they're great. Because they're very, very passionate but know nothing and believe in nothing too. That's very easy. They say, and I need to stop. Um, I would say to an atheist, hey, do you believe in evolution? I go, yeah, 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 of course we believe in evolution. I said, can you tell me how an eye evolved? Because all the experts and doctors say that eyes can't evolve. So how does an eye evolve? And they go, oh, we don't know. I go, oh, but hang on, you're basing your, your, your eternal salvation and the fact that there's no God on the fact that you don't know even the basic thing, like how does an eye evolve? Seems a little bit you know, risky to me. Get some thinking. Anyway, I've got some more of those. We'll leave them. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity this morning to come around your word, Father, to be stirred. Father, we thank you, Lord, that this woman had an encounter with the well, and then it was well with her soul. And Father, she was passionate for others. Lord, ran into town, sparked a revival. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would stir us. You would spark in us, Father, that, that revival anointing. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ and I want to give you opportunity this morning. Maybe you've, 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 you're like the woman. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe, maybe you need some living water. Is there anybody here this morning? Raise your hand and say, Peter, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life this morning. Father, we ask you, Lord, to... Give us encounters with the lost this week. Father, let us, let us have an invitation culture in this church that we constantly inviting people to church, constantly telling them about salvation. Father, we pray for youth on a Friday night. Father, for this young person that gave their life to you on, on Friday. God, that you would stir his heart. Father, cause him to, to follow hard after you all the days of their life. Father, I pray for the youth team. God, that it would be expanded, God, as we're stirred about others. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we finish off, now, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose, and in Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip goes down to Samaria. And he goes down to Samaria and he preaches for a little bit in Samaria. And this massive revival breaks out. And then while he's in Samaria, while he's coming home from Samaria, he meets the Ethiopian eunuch who gets baptized, saved and baptized. And then an amazing revival breaks out in, in Ethiopia, in Africa, all through Africa, all because, of the, all because of Philip, because Philip was down in Samaria and there was an amazing revival. But the spark and the seed of that revival came from the woman, with the issue of, uh, woman at the well. Here is this broken, rejected woman, gets Jesus, tells everybody about Jesus, Revival for a few days, revival for a few years. What an amazing thing. Let's stand as we finish off this morning. Thanks, worship team. Hope you enjoyed that message. Join us next time. Have a blessed week.